Yeah, Lord, thank you for thank you that Joel's uh, able to speak uh, to us this morning. I pray your blessing on him. Pray your blessing on international needs. And Lord, I pray that through uh, through his message this morning that we we might hear your, you speaking to us, Lord. Uh, also pray for Julia back home in Tauranga that you'd be a blessing on on their family. In Jesus' name, Amen. Amen. Right over to you, man. So you got the clicker there. Oh, thank you. Hello, everyone. Now, I just need to, before I start, I just need to apologise a little bit. I've got a bit of a cold. Not COVID, it's a cold. Um, but I might sound a bit nasally, and, and yeah, if I cough, then uh, please forgive me. Um, all right, and thank you so much, James, for having me here. It's, it's amazing to come speak and share about international needs and a little bit of, about myself too. So, yeah, really appreciate you all having me here. And can I just say, what an amazing church. I've been to a lot of churches around New Zealand, and... I love how relaxed and engaging and, and genuine and real this place is. It's, it's a real special thing. Um, so, yeah, just good on you. You're doing well. <laughs> All righty. I just want to start with a little video, hopefully. Oh, Maybe. Thank you. As I sought the Holy Spirit's word for today, I felt the strong emphasis coming to me that our focus should again be on the Lord and our privilege to tell the world about him. Our goal is to shed abroad his name. All right, so... Ooh, I might need a... Sorry, go to the next slide if it's all right. Hopefully I can... So what I'd like to do first is just... Um, yeah, just introduce international needs and share a little bit about uh, who we are. Um, so, as James has already mentioned, we were started in 1974 uh, by the Kiwi on the left there that you can see called Ray Harrison. He started it here in Wellington, out of E Street Chapel, which is now the Street Church. Uh, and he, he was the National Director for Youth for Christ when he came up with a, a revolutionary way of doing mission. He saw that there was a need to empower and support the local Indigenous leaders as they go out and help their people and spread the gospel in their lands. This was a revolutionary new way of doing it because 
these, these local leaders, they knew the geography, they knew the language, they knew the, the culture, and they had the respect of the locals. And most importantly, they knew what the need was and where it was. And to highlight this, um, I'm hoping the click is going to work. Oh, there we go. Um, is if we look at, say, Uganda. Uganda is a very poor country. And often the cause of poverty is a lack of education. So as a Westerner, we might look at it and say, well, a lot of the kids aren't in school, so what we'll do, we'll build a school in the village. But then if we talk to the local leaders, they'll say, well, hang on a minute. The children can't actually get to school because they're, they're walking kilometres a day to collect water for their families. And that water is, is disease-ridden and gets them sick and sometimes kills them. So, so before we build a school, help us build a well, and then we can look into build, building a school. And that's the, that's the knowledge that we just don't have, but they do. We now work in 35 countries around the world in education, health and sanitation, economic empowerment, emergency aid, human rights, and most importantly, gospel outreach. Because we don't, we don't shy away from our, uh, from our Christianity. We are as much a Christian organisation now as we ever have been. We don't put it to the side to be more palatable for the secular world. We really do hold strongly to the, to the commandment to make disciples in all nations. While thinking about um, what to share with uh, today, uh, one thing that sort of really touched on my heart is something that I've heard many people say before when a, when a missionary or a, a pastor or a travelling pastor comes to church and says, well, we're all, we're, we've all got to make disciples in all nations. We've all got to share the gospel. And I've heard, especially the introverts, and you know, there's probably a few in this room, who have probably thought, well, you know, the, the, the fear inside them grows and think, well, I'm not, I'm not good at sharing the gospel. That's not my gifting. I'm not good at talking to people about, about God. And it got me thinking, what is our role in the kingdom of God? What is our role as everyday, normal Christians? Because it's clear that God doesn't want us to be sidelined in his kingdom. He doesn't want us just to sit there while he does all the work. He wants us to be involved and active and loving others. But it's easy to look at the Christian world and think, I don't, I don't really have a place here. You know, like, I'm not a pastor. Uh, is that going to work? I'm not a pastor. I'm not a missionary. I'm not a worship leader, which, to be honest, it feels like those are the roles. And this is what I've felt too. But what does a, what does a regular person have? Just an everyday Christian who wants to serve the Lord. How am I going to make disciples in all nations? And I have felt this. I've felt this a lot when I became a Christian. I wanted to serve the Lord and do something great. I think, I think the problem was that I was comparing myself to these people. And I think we all do. We all see the people that are doing this amazing stuff around the world or in our local communities and think, why am I not like that? Why am I not one of these amazing people? And we compare ourselves, I think, well, I do, to the apostles. You know, they're doing, they've not doing, done incredible things. I'm not doing it anymore, I hope. Um, but they've done incredible things, you know, and we, we look at that, or I do, and think, wow, why can't I do that as well? This was really, really impactful when I became a Christian about five years ago. I, um, I really wanted to make that difference. I wanted to be a great missionary and, and save lots of lives and, and do all these things. 
So I was actually at the street church in Wellington here, and I signed up to, on a short-term mission trip, thinking this would be the start of my mission journey. And I went to Borneo. Now, oh, there it is. Um, I went to Borneo to help in an orphanage, an orphan village in the middle of the jungle there. Not knowing what I was going to do, I thought I'd go there and God would work through me and it would be amazing. When I got there, the missionaries that were already there, they were Dutch and Australian missionaries mainly, they came up to me and said, oh, so what do you do for a living? What's, you know, what are your skills? And I said, oh, well, I've been in management and sales most of my life. And they just sort of stood there blankly and go, oh, can you use tools? And they go, oh, I've, I've built a deck and I've built a fence. They go, oh, great, we'll put you in the workshop. So, oh, fantastic. <laughs> so they put me in this workshop, and they found some old shelving. The back of this workshop was a big workshop. Found some old shelving they brought down, and it had rust all over it. So they're like, okay, can you grind the rust off? That'll be your job for two, for two weeks. So for two weeks, I grinded this rust off, thinking, what am I doing here? They didn't need the shelves or want the shelves. They were just sitting in the back. And after I ground the rust off, they put them back in the back of the workshop. And the worst thing is, I didn't hear anything amazing. I didn't see God move or do anything amazing. I didn't hear the missionaries come to me and say, oh, wow, you know, a hundred people in this tribe just down the road um, just gave their hearts to the Lord. It was nothing like that. After that, I went and uh, went to Bali to unwind, um, which is a weird place. But I went there, especially by yourself, um, I went there and for just a week just to, to, to swim and to, just to relax. And I was complaining the whole time, thinking, God, why, why didn't you do anything with me? Why wasn't I useful? Why could I just be, not have done something that, but more than that? I was really angry. And God spoke to me. He said, just relax. It'll happen in my time. And what he, what he was saying, you know when some, God gives you a word, you can actually know exactly what it means to a much bigger detail. God was saying, just relax and enjoy life. It's all right. It's all right. You don't need to do something big and amazing. Just, just love me, enjoy your life, and it'll happen in my time, not yours. What I really think is that I wanted to do something really impressive. I did for my own ego. I think it wasn't actually what God was wanting of me. And I had to learn that it's not actually about me, it's about God and what he's doing. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, but fast forward a couple of years and then God put me in international needs, using my skills in a different way. And I believe it's a, it's, it's a part of my journey for what God's got for me. But my story is, is far from unique. My parents actually were missionaries. They attempted to do this and they had an even worse time than I did. They, they got married young. My, my dad was about 21 and my mum was about 19. And uh, after they got married, they wanted to have kids. They really, really wanted to. That was their goal. So after about 10 years of trying and about 15 miscarriages, the doctors said that they would never have kids. Just whatever was going on inside my mum meant that they couldn't have kids. So they adopted my sister. And then about a year after that, I was conceived and I wasn't miscarried. I somehow was born. I'm quite happy about that. Yeah, thank you for the yay. Yeah, no. <laughs> but around that same time, in their early 30s, they'd actually planned to be missionaries in the Philippines. They'd done all the prep, 
or the organisation, right ready to go. So when I was about one, I think I was about one, the whole family shipped up, went to the Philippines to serve the Lord, to make disciples, to, to really do what's their calling on their life. But they had a miserable time. For two years they were there, they went through a coup. Uh, a coup. The government got overthrown, bullets flying everywhere. There was an earthquake, a 7.8 earthquake that, that killed a lot of people. And they actually walked in on a murder scene, accidentally. Um, they were walking down a hallway and they saw these people gathered around a, a door and they just went in to see, oh, what's going on? What's, what's everybody looking at? They walked into the room and they did, somebody had been stabbed in the bed and blood was pooling through the mattress. You know, just stuff you just don't see here. Well, I hope you don't. But our family actually got really sick um, of multiple diseases, I believe. But I actually got dinghy fever and nearly died. And we were sent home by the doctors to New Zealand to, to rest and recoup. But my, my parents came back feeling really defeated and disillusioned. Like, what happened to that calling? What happened to making disciples in all nations? Isn't, didn't they step out and do that? Wasn't that what they were supposed to do? Well, as usual, God had other plans for them. And I find it really amazing that we can have our plans, but God knows us better than we know ourselves. You know, we go one way, God sends us another. My parents started fostering children not long after they got back. And over the last 30 years, they've fostered incredible amounts of children. I don't actually know how many. Uh, some for a few days, some for many, many years. And they've introduced all those kids to Jesus. They've shared Jesus with all those children. So they have made disciples in a nation. But it just so happens that that is their home nation of New Zealand. So hopefully you can see that there's, there's a common theme in those stories that, um, of my parents and I, that we both wanted to be missionaries, both thought we were doing the right thing. But actually God knows us better than we know ourselves. And I just want to give an example um, of some of the work we do at International Needs where the locals are in the right place at the right time doing what God wants them to do. That sort of mirrors that in a way. Oh, have I missed some slides? Uh, sorry, is there a Burkina Faso slide? I might have put the slides in the wrong order. That makes sense for a certain point. <laughs> Thank you. So, Burkina Faso, uh, incredibly poor country. 40% uh, live below the poverty line. Sorry, James. Um, there's Islamic extremists that are running rampant throughout the country. And you can see in the red on the right-hand uh, picture there is where Islamic extremists are, are running rampant and killing as they go. It's an incredibly dangerous place. In the yellow is where they're mostly not, but could be. International Needs Burkina Faso is down by the bottom left in the orange part, near the red. Even with the danger there, it doesn't stop International Needs Burkina Faso from going out spreading the gospel to the unreached people groups in the, in the wilderness. They go out every few weeks when funds allow and spread to um, thousands, thousands of people. Every time they turn up to a village, thousands come to hear what these, these people are preaching and hundreds give their life to the Lord. And there's amazing healings that happen there. Healings that we just don't see here, like the blind are, blind are seeing and the paralyzed are walking and just crazy stuff. And it's so blasé to them. They just talk about it as if it happens every day. No, that's all right. But, yeah. 
This is a video of what it actually looks like over there. So you go ahead and play that if it's a... What I love about that video um, is that I think in, in Western Christianity, we've probably all seen um, the Holy Spirit toppling someone, you know, the impact of the Holy Spirit on someone's life, and they fall over and shake and things like that. And I wonder how much of that could potentially be culture, you know, how much of it we've seen other people do it. Um, cynical view, I know, but what I love about that is the people over there, they're idol worshippers, um, and it's animism. They, um, they worship the trees and everything like that. They don't know about God. They don't know about the Holy Spirit. When they're falling over, it's because the Holy Spirit is, is whacking them, is, is forcing them down. You know, like it is amazing. God, God knows we're actually all suited for different things. That's really the heart of this message. And it's clear that God has more than just two or three roles for Christians. In 1 Corinthians 12, 12 to 14, it says, There is one body and it has many parts, but all its many parts make up one body. It is the same with Christ. We are all baptized by one Holy Spirit, and so we're formed into one body. It doesn't matter whether we were Jews or Gentiles, slaves or free people. We were all given the same spirit to drink. So the body is not made up of just one part. It has many parts. Could I go to the first, um, the first that one? So I think in Christianity, I always expected this is what the body to look like. <laughs> you know? Yeah. <laughs> we'll send you overseas, mate, and then you can just make up the whole body. You know, but then if you actually look at the body, or the other slide, it's actually made up like this. You know, there's so many different parts of the body, and they're all useful. Well, apart from the male nipple. But the rest of it is all useful. Don't be the male nipple. 
<laughs> so what is your role? What is your role in the kingdom of God? Well, if God hasn't specifically told you, the thing you should do is to use your talents and your gifts to love others and share the gospel if it's appropriate and it's done with love. By the gifts that God's given us, he's, show, he's shown us what he wants us to do. If you've got the gift of hospitality, be hospitable to people. Show them with love like that. And then support those who can make disciples in all nations. I want to give you another example of the work we do and why the local leaders are important and why they're doing something that nobody else could do. Uh, there should be a photo of a young girl. There we go. Hopefully you can see this. This young girl's name is Fazana. She's in Bangladesh. She's seven years old. This photo um, was taken about three years ago when the Executive Director of International Needs was in Bangladesh. And he just randomly took this photo as he was walking down the slums. So Fazana there, her father is a rickshaw driver and he earns very, very little. Um, and the mother also works as a servant in a house and earns next to nothing. Because of their extreme poverty, Fazana is forced to work. She works in a tea house, which is just to the right. There's the back entrance of the tea house, just to the right of where she is. And she works as a servant, basically. She works 10 to 11 hours a day, seven days a week. No days off, no breaks. The biggest problem is that she can't get an education. So she is stuck there for the rest of her life, working for less than $5 a week because there is no way out. International Needs Burkina Faso came up with an idea. Um, hopefully the next slide should be able to come up. Um, they have come up with a, a system there. Where, uh, it's what's called a drop-in centre, similar to about this sort of size building, where the children can come for two hours a day to have a little bit of food, well, actually a lot of food, as much food as they need, education, a bit of playtime, chance to be kids again, and a bit of counselling. But that education is the key. That's the bit that gives them a chance to pull themselves out of poverty. And the only way it can work is because the local leaders of the drop-in centre of International Needs Bangladesh have got the respect of the community. They go to the, to the employers and say, can you let your kid go for just two hours a day in the afternoon? Just two hours. And we'll feed them and then they can come back refreshed. But again, it's giving them a chance of an education that they wouldn't otherwise have. So I want to suggest a couple of things uh, to you. Maybe you're in the perfect place for God to use you exactly where you are. Just use your gifts with love. And maybe your role in the kingdom of God is to support the people in distant lands that can share the gospel and make disciples. You don't have to be a preacher or a missionary. God will use you as yourself. Okay? I'd just like to pray, that's all right? Heavenly Father, I just want to thank you, Lord, that you made us all different. We've all got different skills and abilities and attributes that you've given us. Thank you, Lord, that we can actually be used in your kingdom, and we want to be used, Lord. Lord, I pray for everyone here. If anybody's been struggling to figure out what, they, what their goal is, what their purpose is, Lord, that you just speak to them. 
touch their heart and show them what you want them to do. I thank you, Lord, for everyone here. In your name, Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.